0: There seems to be some kind of disturbance. I'm going to go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current
1: moment. Why, Why are you, people? people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now tuned in. Five, four, three, two, one.
2: Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. welcome to unlimited with your friends roxanne and ace servants of our lord jesus christ bestest of bestest of buddies our Mm. time to get together and talk about things going on in the world hopefully be a reflection of christ and talk to people we find fascinating so we're glad to have you with us
0: yep of course brought to you by my brother's cup and birmingham mortgage group let me be the first to say happy mother's day
2: Thank you so much. Now, I know you and your mommy, who, by the way, is the most adorable thing. When I met her, I was like, this is not Ace's mother. Your mother looks 40. How does she yep. do that?
0: Well, I mean, she she loves that you see her that way because I don't <laughs> think she sees herself that way. But, uh, yeah, she's, you know, she's. She's, you know, she came from the '60s, right? So she's vibrant and you know sassy and you know passes through, you know, and lets the Lord keep her going. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, Saturday because we're gonna tomorrow morning. I'm gonna take her for brunch and finally get some time in because I've been busy with schedules and kids and whatnot. So I've barely seen her. So I was like, hey, let's do brunch. She's like, okay. So uh, we'll get dressed up and and go hang out tomorrow. So looking forward to that. And of course, I got you know my big thing with Tawny is not only take the kids shopping but then also to make sure she gets that big and nap on Sunday, because really, if truth be told, that's really what she wants is, you know, good plate of food and, you know, nice long nap. So kind of takes care of it. But I know in the midst of all the Mother's Day preparation this week, the big talk is King Charles. We officially have him on the throne now.
2: You know, I had to watch all of that. You know, of you course. couldn't really watch it live because it required you to get up in the middle of the night. But I watched all the replay, all of it. And the crown is spectacular. And it goes back to the 1600s. It'll be the only time he wears it. And it it's just brilliant. The pomp, the circumstance to see the kings and queens, how many monarchies there are from all over the world. And the Queen of Spain, she's so pretty. You have to take your jaw and put it back. I mean, well, she had this mauve pink and this gorgeous hat. And of course, the hats. Katy Perry's hat, of course, she got to go to the coronation because she and Lionel Richie were performing. But you couldn't see behind Kate. If you were seated behind Katy Perry, you were
0: upset. Right. It's like either the Kentucky Derby or Sunday Mass, or you know, like on Easter, you know, it's like when everyone wears their new Easter outfits. And then well, I
2: feel
0: for I'm so sorry. No, as much as I love the pomp, I was enjoying watching Prince Louis get in trouble. Like he was dancing, being a typical little boy. Like he does not care that he is in the royal family, he is the average boy that we all, I mean, we've all had that moment, right? You know, when you, you know, step out of line and mom gives you that look, you know, and you see that on Kate's face several times. through this. It's like, Ooh, I know that face, but then it becomes a thing. Like you're watching him, like his little dance moves and all the things that are going on. It's like, Oh, this child, what is he going to be when he grows up? And now with social media, these clips will haunt him the rest of his life.
2: Well, he was adorable. He left at one point, which nobody expected, but when it came time to ride the carriage, he was right there. And for those who love to watch the Royals, the carriages all had meaning. And one of them looked like Cinderella. It was just, you know, just so perfect. And I felt for Harry. Here's Harry's by himself. Megan stayed with their two kids here. There's Strife with his brother. And word is they never did speak, which is really pretty sad. I mean, I don't know how the reporters know that they never actually spoke, but that is the word throughout the UK is that it just didn't happen. And Harry's book said he actually got into a physical altercation with his brother at one point over his wife. And so they've got that and people were hoping they could patch it up a little bit. And, And, you know, when you see family strife on that level, I guess it gives us all hope. For all the crazy stuff that goes on in our families. I don't know about you, but mine has some crazy.
0: Oh, sure. The fun and dysfunctional? Absolutely. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a royal or, you know, you live in a van down by the river. Everybody has, you know, everyone in between has got something going on.
2: So you're a Robert De Niro fan, and I am too. I know this about you. At the Oscar winner, I think he's one of the best actors of all time. And they were interviewing him and talking about his six kids. And he said, Mm -hmm. no, I just gave birth. I have a seventh. And the reporter was caught very off guard. And he didn't want to say anything else about it. He did say, I gave birth, which I think is pretty funny. And (laughs) he is 79 and a brand new daddy once again. (laughs) And I wanted to see what you thought of that.
0: Well, I mean, Tommy and I joke all the time because, I mean, we can't because, you know, I've had things done. But in that, I joke with her all the time. I was like, because we are the biggest suckers of all, like, the baby TikToks and stuff. You know, if, like, a baby's laughing or doing something ridiculous or has a Cheeto stuck to their face or whatever, like, that's—we're in it, right? And and I was like, come on. it's like, our kid would be beautiful. Come on. Let's, let's pray. She's like, mm-mm. You know, and so I like to give her a hard time about it. She's like, it's easy for you because men can have babies till they're 80 and it's just harder for women. I was like, "Okay, babe, you know, so I know it's joking and playfully, but really, in all fairness, I'm ready for the kids to grow up. And when they're out, they're out. And, you know, it's just us. So, you know, I can joke about it because I know where I am emotionally and spiritually (laughs) on that. But bravo for De Niro. That's that's a big deal.
2: 79 and a new daddy. Well, I got a text from a friend that said, why all these shootings? There were at least four mass shootings last week. And and so I looked at the stats. In the United, this is just blowing my mind. In the United States, just this year, there have been 199 mass shootings. And that's defined as four killings per shooting. Mm -hmm. That is outrageous.
0: Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, the school shootings hit close to home because every time that happens, you know, it's like, okay, just when you think our schools and our students are really safe, something is. Going to happen or can happen, and so then there's, you know, they double the security and double all the locks and all the things, but it's getting to the point where we can't even leave the house anymore. Like I think, you know, to think about not being fearful when you're out at like concerts and things of that nature. At the same time, we can't live in fear. But how do we get a handle on it? Because you know, nothing politicians or law enforcement seems to say puts anybody's mind at ease.
2: Well, and they say it's gun violence. Well, guns aren't violent. And we could go down a path with that as a proud gun owner who is safe with hers. And yeah. don't take don't come take my guns. So there so there we have it. But we have sick people. This this small guy, Ace, some really hateful, racist, Nazi-related materials are coming into play now. And when you can just, like you said, drive up to the outlet mall, and there's video of this guy getting out of the car shooting, laying on the ground shooting with all his tack gear on. You know, he was a very sick, apparently, and demented individual. And what we do about that, I don't really know. But I, I do know that Satan's loving it. He doesn't have to worry about doing much of anything. He's just isolating people, making them feel unloved, sometimes bullied, and and violence erupts. And people don't know how to communicate. People don't know how to say, I need help. And I'm not excusing anybody. It's a horrible crime and a criminal. But where do we go? We just have to fall on our knees.
0: Well, and I mean, I'm no expert either, but my thought is if we, if with all you have to go through for adoption, all you have to go through for a driver's license, can we meet in the middle on guns? Like, can we have tests and then observations of people before you just grant them a license so that you know that they're mentally and capable to be able to own that without any possibility of, you know, I mean, we can all have, you know, anger manage moments, but if it's an ongoing issue or there's underlining layers there that would be cause for concern, then at least you can red flag some of these and maybe—I'm not saying gun control. I'm saying people control. Yeah.
2: Those who are violent, who have a history of violence, who have a history of mental illness. A family member of mine got a firearm and never should have had one. Okay? Mm -hmm. A history of mental illness. So we've got a long way to go to deal with these things. I want to talk about the Lord for a moment. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, we get scared of all these things going on in the world. And we feel like, wow, you know, we feel like a lot of times the world and everybody in it is against us. But in Romans Mm -hmm. 8, I love the whole chapter of Romans. Do you want to be soothed? Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be radically loved? Just read Romans 8, the whole thing. It's not long, and it will soothe you. And, and it talks about fear. Do not allow anybody to tell you something negative has happened in your life because God is mad at you. It's his punishment. Mm. You know, there was a couple that actually went to a church, and they had lost their baby due to some complications. And one of the ministers there told them there must be sin in their life.
0: Wow. Well, I mean they're sin in all of our lives. But that God still chooses
2: the problems with the baby. As if they aren't grieving enough, as if they don't have problem enough. And we we don't have all the answers, but we can be assured that negative circumstances. They aren't God standing up there going, oh, you were thinking that, so I'm just going to, you know, like Bruce Almighty, just rain terrible pain down on you because it's what you deserve. Mm -hmm. That's not the God that we serve. He's not up there, Mm -hmm. you know, with a checkpoint. Oh, you thought this thought. So I hope this terrible thing happens to you.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, we talked a little bit about this last week. You know, God is not mad at you. But that's the thing is that depending upon the upbringing that you came either in the church or out of the church because you thought he was so mad at you that you couldn't even walk in without becoming a pillar of salt. But that's the thing is we really have nothing to fear. He He has all the grace, all the compassion If there's anything while we're still in these 50 days of Easter reflections, think about what is it that he really wants to deliver you from? I mean, to take the weight off of your shoulder of the world, of your finances, of, you know, that weird relationship that just seems to really be dragging you down, whatever it might be. He's not allowing the suffering in your life so that you can think he's this awful god that's you know you know up there with a magnifying glass you know just shining down awful painful things the awful painful things happen because sin is in this world but then it's his grace and compassion and the fact that he is for us i mean i can't i can't imagine trying to do it on my own and i definitely can't imagine if he was mad at me how much more suffering could be because if he's the almighty god then You know, it could it could really be nasty, but he's not. He's gracious and loving and he wants to give you the things that make your life at peace.
2: Well, one place you can talk about Jesus and be safe, you can talk about your faith all day. And Terran Newell will be shaking his head, agreeing with you. And not only Mm -hmm. that, but a listening ear. He prays with people. I'm talking about Birmingham Mortgage Group. I'm talking about a little business that exploded into a big business because of the Christian, loving, caring heart that is behind the dude that you can call directly and get an instant response from. There's really nothing like it.
0: Yeah. Well, and the great thing is he's a part of this show, not because he helped Roxanne and I get into our houses and make all the craziness make (laughs) sense and the finances for that matter but he believes in the kingdom building opportunity so when you are thinking about who you want to help you get into that dream home or that first home or to refi you want someone who knows the business but more than anything, he loves the Lord. And that's why we love having him as a part of Unlimited each and every week for that reason. It is his heart. It is his team, everyone on staff ready to help serve you. So if you need to make that appointment quick and easy, behammortgage.com, or you can call them at 205-259-1656. That's 205-259-1656. Tell Teren and the team at Birmingham Mortgage Group you heard about them on Roxanne and Ace Unlimited.
2: You're going to love this, Ace. It reminds me so much of you. When somebody is upset, there is one question you can ask them. This solves so many issues. Mm-hmm. It has to get out there. Here it is. Do you want to be helped, heard, or hugged? My blowing! hugged. <laughs> you always want to be hugged?
0: I always want to be hugged. Because <laughs> if I'm going through something... Now, I will say I am one of those processes where I have to kind of have a moment to myself. So if I'm not hugging right away, it could be because I'm just not in that place yet. But once I've processed and be like, okay, God, I know you got this. Then yeah, the hug has to be you know right there.
2: A hug from your partner increases levels of oxytocin, the bonding hormone. It dials down your stress. I think that's true. There is evidence that being heard, known as high-quality listening, reduces defensiveness during difficult and intimate conversations. So it is very, very helpful. You notice in that equation, it's not like, give me a giant truck of advice, Sometimes mm-hmm. I really want Wayne's advice because he's brilliant and wonderful, but most of the time, I probably have an idea of where I want to go to solve the problem. I just really want to be either heard or hugged.
0: Well, sure. Well, and that you bring up a great point because so many times when women share their problems with their husbands, it it in us guys, we feel like, "Well, I have to fix the problem. I have to be Superman." when really you do just want to be heard, like you've already overthought it and probably came up with a solution or you at least have an A, B, and C. I have I have learned to wait for Tawny to go, what do you think I should do? Like I wait for those words to come out of her mouth before I even give any advice. I, I'm the question guy. It's It's the whole Ted Lasso, you know, be curious, not judgmental. So as you're listening to someone's problems, no matter who they are, don't judge them for where they're at and what they're going through, and you have the the sunshine to make it all go away, but really be curious, you know, so that you understand what is really going on. Because I know the thing that you and I are fortunate enough in our marriage is, Wayne, when he knows you're going through something, he understands where the hurts and habits come from. So when you're faced with it, he knows why it hurts so bad and why you're trying to sort it out. But again, not... For the purpose of fixing it, so not to not to kill the the fun for the men who like to be the fixers and the rescuers, but you might find yourself in less of the battle if you just allow yourself to be the ears rather than the mouth.
2: Ooh, that's good, but you've always said that.
0: It's I learned it the hard way. <laughs> I had a pastor one time tell me, and it didn't quite sink in right away, but once you. Go, oh, that's why those old things fell apart because I didn't listen. All
2: right, I want to tell you about a remarkable professor who really knows how to teach. His name is Matthew Prince. He's a public relations executive at Taco Bell, but he teaches part-time at Chapman University in Southern California. 80 students show up to his influencer marketing course. And what does he tell them? No final exam if one of you Gets to a million views on TikTok. End of conversation. Figure it out. I think it's a brilliant way to go. Because everybody dove in immediately. And Sylvia Bastardo, 20 years old, a sophomore, started filming immediately when he said that. So she got clips of him, clips of the class, and wrote underneath Simple Help me reach a million views so I don't have to do a final. It was very basic. And then she added a six-minute catchy tune. And Ace, listen to this. One million views in a day. Wow. And she was so excited to tell him. This is how on top of of it he is. You know, the dual videos where you can interact on, on TikTok Mm -hmm. with somebody else's video and make expressions or even speak to something they're doing. He had already gotten her video and interacted with it and then came into the class the next day and said, no final due to her and pointed to her.
0: I just think it's really cool. I want to know what she did. I mean, is it just, is it that simple really? Like, can I just go on my TikTok and beg for followers?
2: I A mean, lot is that people do? And I'm not moved by that. Maybe other people are. When they really beg for that, it's not interesting to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm strange. I feel like if I like it, it's my business. <laughs> don't but the push thing that me.
0: Yeah. And the thing is though, if you don't like the content of what they post, then all you're gonna end up doing is either unfollowing them or blocking them or whatever. So like, and I guess if you get, you know hundreds of millions of people, you're not going to miss little old me. But again, <laughs> I'm, I'm very specific about my thread. Like I want it to be full of things that are music or movies or faith or, you know, what you know, goofy babies or whatever, or, you know, silly little cute puppy dogs, like those things. I don't <laughs> want someone doing something that's just annoying me. But people
2: wanted to help her. I mean, people wanted to help her. And I do think that's really sweet. I just think it's a really cool assignment because, and he said he did it to let these students know Mm -hmm. the sky's the limit. If you believe you can do it, you're halfway there. And so I think it's really cool. One thing we can certainly agree on in mass is the popularity of the flavor and the smells and the delight that is the Roxanne blend of coffee at mybrotherscup.com. Mm-hmm. You just brew it, and it's it's a cup of happiness, and on top of it, you know, you're serving the Lord. It's like donating and getting something great. Isn't that fabby? And then when someone gets it a gift, they're like, oh, this is such a special gift. I love coffee. I love Jesus. It all goes mm-hmm. together.
0: Yep, And there's a cool mug that comes with it or doesn't come with it, that you should order with it as well. And it's one of their top sellers. Of course, anything that's kingdom building, as we've been talking today, it's just, you know, continues to advance what God is at work and doing. So if you haven't had a chance to even get the sample package, you know, try four or five. And I promise you, it'll be above the other one. Nothing against the other flavors. It's just saying it's up there. (laughs) Uh, But make sure you check it out, mybrotherscup.com or just go to Roxanneandace.com and get yours today.
2: Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, thank you for being a part of the show today. You are in for a mega treat. We have to pinch ourselves who God allows us to talk to on this podcast. This gentleman is world-renowned, an award winner, a prolific, best-selling New York Times writer, and he's got a lot to say about how we should conduct ourselves in leadership. And I really love the name of the software company, Solomon Software. Isn't that great? You know, it's Mm -hmm. God-centered when that is the case with with numerous employees. He is here to talk about his new book, Built to Beat Chaos. Don't we all feel chaos in the world Mm -hmm. right now? Biblical wisdom for leading yourself and others. We welcome to the program, Gary Harpst. It is so good to see you.
1: It's great to be here, Roxanne. Thank you, Ace. I've uh, uh, listened to a few of your episodes, and I love the way you guys have fun. Yeah.
0: Well, we try. We're also trying to learn as well, so thank you for being willing to teach us today.
1: Well, it's it's mutual. I, I write a book and compile my mistakes, and so I, I <laughs> had to write one to catch up, and now I'm starting a new one. <laughs> Well, and
0: that's a great way to think about it, because I think a lot of times, especially in leadership, is there's this persona that we can't show our weaknesses or our failures. So start there. what as a leader, no matter where what level of management you may be in, how do you play to those moments of either failure or weakness?
1: Well, you know, let me tell a story that I think highlights this. I, I made the mistake in, in uh, my first company. I'm kind of a stubborn person. I'm, I, my father grew up in the Depression, and he always told me never to quit. You know, mm. never, ever, ever quit. And we had a project in our in our software business, uh, Solomon Software, that uh, wasn't going very well, and I just wouldn't quit. And the more we invested in it, the more I felt like I couldn't quit. And um, it almost bankrupted the company. And I remember praying hard one February. I said, God, we need sales to go up to pay for this project. It's, it's going to be a disaster. And, um, God answered my prayer, but sales went down 20%. (laughs) Mm. And what happened was I was forced to admit that the project was failing and I had to quit. And unfortunately it led to the layoff of, of a lot of friends. We, We had 180 employees at the time. And, um, we had to cut our staff almost in half. And to your question about failure, it is, if I had thought I was responsible for those people's lives, I couldn't have stood, stand it. I couldn't, wouldn't have been able to bear up on that layoff. But my partners and I prayed through it and we said, you know, it's God who called us into this business. It's God who's taking care of these people. And it's almost the opposite of what you're you're saying, that once you let go and let God, he takes the success and he takes the failures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you see the distinction? Yeah. And um, I think it's really easy when things are going well to kind of turn the focus on yourself. But when things are going poorly, uh, that's when I need God the most. And that that lesson really set me free. I, I hated it and I, I wanted to be a better leader after that, but I, I was not crushed by this defeat because I gave it to God. Uh, you see what I mean? And, yeah. and so um, b- mistakes, I don't know, that's how we learn. And um, it seems like the mistakes are where we ha- have to trust God the most, this gap between what I know how to do and what God wants me to do. The bigger it is, the more I have to flee to him. And uh, I'm not comfortable. I, li- I like it when I know how to do everything and I have all the resources right? <laughs> I need. Um, but that doesn't seem to be where he keeps me.
2: <laughs> well, in your book, you talk about the goal of building caring organizations that strive for excellence. And mm. you can think of the model as a trellis and a vine. Mm. Do explain what you mean by that.
1: Well, it, it, it I find it really fascinating science. God reveals himself through creation, and he reveals himself through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit. And in creation, all the things that we build, like houses, are made up of atoms that all fit together with um, the relationship between an atom and 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 an electron flying around. And there's laws of physics that allow that building to hold together, But when it comes to people, churches, nations, marriages, what holds us together is not the laws of physics. What holds us together is love. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's ironic that um, in the very book, very beginning in Genesis, it says that God created us to have dominion, to rule over all this stuff he created. But he also said in the very next sentence, you need to multiply and increase to do it. And the it's the multiply and increase problem that forces us to understand that we can only do that with love because the laws of physics don't help us. Laws of physics help us build houses and rocket ships and hospitals, but the laws of physics don't get us to work together. And so that caring thing that you're talking about, there's 800,000 words in the Bible in the English version, And Jesus says, I think in 22, he sums them all up by saying uh, the whole 800,000 words is summed up by love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's telling us in there that the the essence of creation and humans being fulfilled is rooted in our ability to love each other. So true.
0: Well, and I think, too, for a lot of companies, you know, they look at the success of other businesses, either whether it be like them or there's a model that, you know, it's like, yeah, we want to strive to be like them. And then what they don't realize is they don't have the underlining layers of leadership or infrastructure to make that happen. So then they end up going belly up or they have to lay people off because they took big chunks that they weren't ready for.
1: Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. It seems... Really, the institutions of men, whether they're businesses or governments, or even major church denominations, they deteriorate over time. Mm-hmm. And um, unless the Holy Spirit renews our relationship with God and with each other, the human management techniques don't work.
2: One thing you talk about in the book is biblical principles give any employee, whether, and this is key, whether they are a believer or a non-believer, the kind of environment that they can thrive in. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's lacking today. I just mm-hmm. think we we don't have a biblical principles. So let's make money. And we're driven by sales figures in the tent. When you talk about chaos, you know banks are collapsing interest rates are up inflation's outrageous and we were paying 6 dollars for eggs and i think people are just stressed out mm-hmm. and i don't believe god gary intended for us to live like that
1: no he didn't he didn't it it, it, it is a form of chaos isn't it the way uh, people yes. are interacting with each other uh there there's a a move in the marketplace right now to create um what's called a, Oh, a really kind of a, a, a service to care for employees <laughs> mm-hmm. and you hire, you hire somebody to um, talk to your employees and listen to them and help them. And it's growing like crazy. And um, you know, it's, it, it makes me smile because the God said this thousands of years ago, you know, he told us from the very beginning, that's the key. And yet we, we have to rediscover it over and over. It is, it, sometimes it's sad. I will say this, though. I've been talking to a lot of Christian businessmen lately, and I'm amazed at how much renewal and revival there is going on in the business community, realizing they have to step up and change the way they're doing business. There's a lot of good things happening.
0: How, in your opinion, and what you've seen success or failure-wise, how do we, as the industries of everything is changing, how do we create entry-level positions without smothering out our veteran employees?
1: Do you mean um, that they displace Yeah.
0: So, so pulling out those that have, you know, helped you build a legacy within your company in 25, 30, 40 years with a company, but then also people who are like, how do I get into your industry? How do I get into your company? And like, that, there seems to be jobs freeing up because of, you know, you're letting your legacy employees go, but then there are no entry levels on certain companies to be able to get people into things that they're passionate or gifted or even trained in.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's a couple of things going on there. One, one is uh, the on the higher end of the of the scale. What what is the um, uh, opportunity for those people to be utilized inside that same organization? And if if their growth doesn't isn't sustained and and they're not a healthy growth, then there's not a place for those people. There's another thing also going on where, uh, you know, you. You, you like the fact that you have gotten rapid raises when you're young, but those rapid raises actually price you out of the marketplace yeah. as you grow older. And I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not excusing through kicking people to the curb, but I saw this as a leader myself. And, um, you know, some of the best hires we ever had when we were one time we were growing so fast in the, the Solomon software that was a prior business, by the way. Solomon Software was a previous business to this one. We were growing so fast, we couldn't find enough people. And so we hired retired people. Mm-hmm. They'd actually retired of their own free will. And they came back and they didn't expect the compensation they had when they left. You understand what I yeah. mean? They, they, sure. were able, they were working for a different reason. And they were the most blessed gift to our environment because they were calm. They weren't chasing the dollar. They were loving on people. And um, I know I'm not exactly answering your question, but um, I don't really have a pat answer for what you do when um, people at the top leave uh, or you know, are kind of displaced. We see in our marketplace the opposite where people can't uh, find employees at the entry level. Mm -hmm. Every business I go into says I can't find anybody to help. Um, There's just not enough enough workers to go around at the entry level. Yeah.
2: What are a couple of the others? We mentioned love needs to be first and foremost in the business place. I don't know how often we hear that. What Mm -hmm. other biblical principles are super important as we serve the Lord in the business world?
1: well, the, the love one covers so much because eventually you have to, if love is a verb and it has to translate into actions. And so how does love manifest itself? And another way is being open and truthful to with people. And, um, you know, human relationships, my dad, I grew up on a farm and, and um, sometimes we had to repaint something or whatever. And he, he, he said, make sure you, you wire brush all the rust off of that metal before you paint it. You understand the imagery that you, mm-hmm. you got a rusty piece of metal and we want to repaint it, piece of machinery. And he said, if you don't do that, then it won't stick and, and it'll just bubble up and rust off. And human relationships are like that. If, if, we, if we don't get down to the truth and, and have openness with each other, the relationships are really not based, they're not bare metal, they're not really connected. And it's, mm-hmm. I think, it's really hard work to be open and truthful. I mean, you think about a marriage relationship, or, or a, an employee relationship. And I'll, t- I'll tell you another story. I, <clears throat> when I was uh, CEO of Solomon Software, and we were growing really fast, and we had about 450 employees, <clears throat> and there was a, um, my, the person who managed uh, the service operation reported to me that they were actually terminating an employee for cause. And I asked what, th- this was somebody that was maybe three layers below me. I didn't really know the individual. I asked, did we handle this right? Did we give him good input and treat him right? And she walked through what we did and it it was right. It was good. But I contacted that individual, <clears throat> I didn't know him. And I said, um, I feel like I, I want to talk with you um, before you leave. And um, when he came in to see me, I said, do you trust me? That was my first question. I said, we don't know each other. So if I've got some things to share with you, but if you don't trust me and believe that I have your interest at heart, then I really there's no point in sharing. them." And he Mm -hmm. said, no, I I do trust you. And so he allowed me to, to speak openly with him. And so he had to give me permission to do that. And then I shared with him, I went through case after case of what other people had told me about his behavior. And um, several people told me the same thing, so I knew it was true. And he broke down in tears. And and he said, nobody has ever told me this. (laughs) And I said, well, that's not true. People have been telling you this. But you have not been able to receive it for whatever reason. And um, he got up and he, and he, he thanked me and um, he said, You know, this is really going to change my, my life. And I, I reflected on that conversation afterwards and I thought, What was it that didn't enable him to receive the input he had been getting? And some of it could have been the way it was delivered, the people who, Delivered, it could have been angry and shouting. But in my case, he knew I had nothing to gain because he was leaving the organization anyway. Right. So there was nothing for for no reason for me to do this other than I was interested in him. And that really taught me a lot about the, what you're asking. Is, you know, what does love mean to somebody? And sometimes it means setting down and telling them the truth. But doing it in a way that they will listen to you, rather than doing it in a way that sends them scurrying away and turns into anger. Now you don't always control that, but you can try to yeah. to deliver it in a way they can hear you. That's a gift. When somebody mm-hmm. gives you some truth, it's a gift.
2: The truth in love.
1: Yeah, it's the biblical. truth in love. I, the, Ephesians, <laughs> the Ephesians prescription. Yeah. And yeah.
2: and and we need to to give people that opportunity we're in a hurry it's like oh they're out of here see you don't don't let the door hit you or whatever that terrible thing is when Mm -hmm. when in fact you know there used to be um, as i get older i'm like it used to be but there used to be an exit interview and Mm -hmm. an interchange as to what went because employees are expensive a company invests in them it's the time it's the training and turnover is incredibly costly Oh, so if we can, but he wasn't obviously receptive to the change, but the, the messages, I think part of the message is we've got to communicate and like what you're doing is sharing stories. That's the Jesus model. Wasn't he beautiful about sharing stories so we could really understand. And back then it was a lot of agriculture. And so- You know, that was a way that a person could see what it is he was talking about. You know, using the oxen, you know, the yoke, my yoke. You know, Mm -hmm. back then people understood all that meant the Lord's going to be with me and go through this with me. Mm -hmm. So I so appreciate you telling a story to give that example because (laughs) we've got to have love and we've got to tell the truth in love. Mm -hmm. That's just it's Those really are hard amazing. lessons
1: to come by. And, uh, you know, when I, when I did the layoff, had to do that layoff, I'll never forget walking into the room and looking these people in the eye and saying, we can't, I made these mistakes and we can't employ you because of that. And uh, that changed the way I hired people, by the way, because from, from then on, when I hire somebody, I talk to them and I say, what if, let's, let's talk about what happens if, this, if I can't continue to employ you. Or what happens if you work here and you decide you get a better offer somewhere else? We now have that conversation on the way into hiring so that we can be, it's back to openness. And, uh, and it, it's simply not realistic. You know, I hire you and I think you've got the skills to, to do the job and you do too, but one of us could be wrong. Right. Mm, yeah. we, right. we don't, we don't always understand and we make mistakes and, Uh, uh, An even bigger mistake is not to admit your mistake.
2: Ooh, yeah.
1: See, and so to keep somebody employed that can't really thrive, God created us to be winners. And if you've got somebody in a job where they cannot win, you're not living a godly model. And um, I think you can treat them with compassion. You can try to find other work in the organization. You can give them references. You can help them look for a job. But if the right answer is not to keep them in a job they can't do. That yeah. is never the right answer.
0: So true. The book is called Built to Beat Chaos. And Gary Harpst has been our guest. How can people find you? What's the best way to contact you?
1: Oh, the our website is leadfirst.ai. That you can find uh, our books and services there. And of course, Amazon. Everybody can buy a book at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good.
0: That's great. Gary, thanks for your wisdoms, man. We appreciate it. And we look forward to having you back.
1: Well, thank you so much. You guys are uh, a lot of fun to talk to and you really add a lot of value. Your openness, you draw up to the good stories.
2: If your guy says these things, he is a keeper. We'll just run through these very quickly. You are beautiful inside and out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you probably hear that daily right Wayne's a, Wayne he's a is words guy. very
2: good at compliments and he's really sweet I love your smile mm.
0: I, like I get that. that from Tawny sometimes she'll look I'll look over at her and she's just looking at me and she smiles I was like what she goes you're just really handsome I go yeah she go, she go yeah like you know and then apparently get <laughs> so get this she sends me a video or a picture yesterday apparently a photograph of me from one of the games that I emceed made it onto this video of some presentation for her company talking about audible sensories and how we can be on sensory overload. So she's like the irony that I'm sitting in a presentation of sensory overload. And then a picture of you comes up (laughs) to where my sensory overload (laughs) is to the, it's like, you're welcome. (laughs) It's like, can't get any more compliments than that
2: wow, that's crazy. So what do you think? Being asked what I think, I like that a lot.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh,
2: I support you. I'm sorry. You look hot. You know, kind of what Tawny did, said, "Mm, you're so handsome. You've got this. Everybody wants to hear you've got this, don't you think?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think too, because a lot of times we talk about in our house, you know, if it robs our joy or our peace, then it's too expensive. And so that comes from an understanding of that. The things that Tony knows that I'm, you know, that are deep in my passion. If something disrupts that, she understands why. And the same, you know, goes for me with her. So when those things are a little off kilter, it allows us to support one another with that. So whether we are just listening or we are offering advice when it's needed or just saying, I'm sorry, this is happening. You know, it's an inconvenience, but just let me know how I can help and then that helps to bring you together through it rather than it being kind of a wedge between the two of you.
2: Really good. Do you want new visitors to your church this month? Here are some things to keep in mind. There is a rising spiritual openness and an increasing receptivity to the person of Jesus right now in the world. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. How do we reach them? Well, we can't debate that 474 million times, uh, Jesus was viewed on the Super Bowl, the He Gets Us campaign. Well, Mm -hmm. you want to look, what did that result in? 123,000 people requesting more information. And they didn't just say, oh, let's send you a track or a little bit of information. This Mm -hmm. is brilliant. They were connected with vital churches, connected with churches. And it wasn't just, well, we'll send you something. Here's what they did. A pastor contacted one of those 123,000 people and said the following, I'm praying as you struggle with whatever it was they mentioned, would you like to have a phone call? Would you like a text? Or would you like time together?
0: Mm. It's, I mean, after being a part of church plant groups for years, like you see church differently because you see it through the eyes of the first-timer, you see it through the eyes of the church-hurt families that have said, well, we know we need to go, but every time we've gone, we've, you know, something's been done to us, or in our direction, or, you know, whispers or whatnot. And the thing to remember is, church is full of sinners. I mean, they're all just as jacked up. But that's the reason why we come together is to understand that we're not alone. So connecting through the people and the relationships. And, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm of the mind. I sometimes let busy get in the way of some of the extracurriculars to help me have deeper relationships with people at my church. But the great thing is being in the praise and worship team. I feel like I connect with them on music and then whatever conversations come from our rehearsal time And that's, that's what, that's how I always built a lot of my non-church friendships was, was being in bands and whatnot. So that's in my sweet spot. But then when you don't feel connected, a lot of it is because of us. We're, we're not extending, you know, the, the groups are there. The people are asking you to come, but if you're saying no, or yeah, let's, let's try to find time to get together. And then six months goes by and you never did anything. Well, how much of that is on you? Well, that was mentioned as one of the keys,
2: that you should respond to someone who's making a spiritual inquiry of you at a church or you Mm -hmm. as a person within 24 hours. And when I was on staff at Church of the Highlands, that was a requirement. Yeah. And I thought that was really powerful because people, sometimes they don't even expect to get an answer, especially if they're being negative. Sure. They don't sure. expect to get a gentle response. They don't expect to get a response at all. And when you quickly respond to people's needs, it honors them. And I've tried to adapt that in my personal life because the standards at being on staff, the things that were required that were so excellent. Like I was three pennies off on, on some spreadsheet. Yeah. And it was marked in red. And you can get all worked up about it or you can say, look. This church is a great steward of every penny given to it. Mm -hmm. And out of that is excellence.
0: Sure. Well, and if you are in that place where you're looking for a church, but you have kind of the separation of whatever reasons and excuses you may be making, let me say this give whatever churches you choose like pick the four or five that you're most interested in that you've googled and maybe have five stars or a friend goes there or whatever go at least 3 weeks in a row so you feel like you got a good sample of you know the pie that they serve but then think about what are the things in churches that either you felt like needed to exist Or that maybe at a time when things were healthy for you in a church, that you could then build within the church that maybe they don't have the thing that you really believe should be there. And then you could be in time and with humility, be that leader of that ministry or help partner with someone who's like, yeah, we've had that, but not really known anyone that really was passionate enough to spearhead. And you're serving a need because, again, while we go to be fed, we also are there to serve. And so where on that side of the coin, how do you ride both heads and tails when you're just like, well, I don't like the music or the preacher. <laughs> he goes too long or he's a breathy prayer. You know, like I, 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 I just if you're looking for a reason, all you need is like they didn't have coffee in the lobby or the coffee was not hot enough. I mean, you can find some reason not to be there, but find one reason to come back.
2: Yeah, ask the Lord, where do I belong? I mean, I Hmm. went to many, many churches before I found mine, and I knew before the preacher had even said a word that I was at home, because the Holy Spirit said, this is where you belong. I mean, I just knew it. I could feel it, and I got really excited because I finally found my church home. Mm -hmm. So, like you say, don't, don't give up. Keep trying, and don't look for all the faults, too. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. So how do we order the best thing on the menu? You and I are foodies. We're Mm -hmm. picky about our food. We know good food when we see it. So the New York Times has a lot of food critics who can make or break a restaurant. And I think it's really interesting. One of the things they share is the following. Do something when you're at a restaurant, totally unexpected, that will bring you joy. One thing they do, there's a restaurant they love, but they ordered fries, and they order them for dessert. Here's what they, how they describe these fries. The potatoes are hand-cut and shallow-fried with fresh sage leaves and unpeeled garlic cloves, their skins broken just enough to infuse the oil, I come to a conclusion it's one of the most heavenly things in the world. And it made me want to drive to New York City, find this mm-hmm. place, try the fries that they would have for dessert. It's, you know, thinking out of the box.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, fries dipped in a Frosty is dessert for me. So <laughs> I feel... <laughs> I feel that a hundred percent, very, very well spoken of fries. Like, I don't know that I've ever really read the description of a meal or or how something's prepared. It's like, yeah, salmon. Okay, cool. Oh, surf and turf. Okay, good. Because I'm in it for the whole experience. Like, give me a little appetizer, maybe a little you know creme brulee. When it's over, like I I, I like the big fancy meal. So, I'm in it to win it. You know. <laughs> I love
2: it. We appreciate that.
0: you. We Wait, appreciate you hanging says- out.
2: What is the thing everybody always orders? What is the most popular thing on the menu? And we really have been successful with that Mm because I'm going to eat half of what he orders. So, (laughs) might as well
0: like it. Do you do that? Do you? Because Tony and I do that. She's like, hey, I'm going to get the chicken, you get the salmon, and then I want to bite. Like, it's like, I don't want to commit to the whole entree, but (laughs) so there's... See, that's, that's another great reason to be in a healthy relationship. You can share your food, you know, <laughs> it's like, I here you go, that. honey. Thanks for hanging out this week. Again, uh, happy mother's day to you, Roxanne and all the moms listening. Hopefully you get uh, the big naps that you deserve and you're, kids to gush over you with some kind of crayon written card or you know (laughs) something that they found of what was left in the store this weekend but uh make sure you subscribe follow and like us where we are roxanneandace.com to tell you more and share the episodes that you like tell people about the show help us get the word out so that they can also be a part of the family again thanks to my brother's cup and birmingham mortgage group for being a part of the show and Have a great weekend. Roxanne, I love you. Adios, I love you too. You've been listening to Roxanne
2: and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at Roxanneandace.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.